Have you come to the end of yourself? Do you thirst for a drink from the well? Jesus is calling. The Father's arms are open wide Forgiveness was pouring The precious blood of Jesus Christ Isn't that a great song? I, that I love that song. Now, uh, I want to share with you all just a couple things. I'll share with you all just a couple things about when we were in Israel. Uh, one of the things, and that song just reminded me of it, we, the, one of the powerful parts of that song says where he is risen. And uh, Kathy and Bubba Lauthian, y'all know this too, we, were at the, we went to the tomb of Jesus, and we went in there, and I want to share something with you. It was empty. Isn't that cool? And so whenever you sing that song, he is risen, he is no longer there. So that's one of my favorite things. And I want to share with you all the first Sunday that we were um, over there, which was two weeks ago, I guess it was January 1st, we were over there. I, I thought that y'all would think this was cool. We pray, I prayed for y'all, and I prayed for the service and prayed for a village church when we were at Armageddon. Now, how, how strange is that? That's an actual place. Now, that you, would, you might think, that doesn't sound like a good sign. Uh, but Jesus wins there, so I thought it would be a good place to pray, to pray for us. And so, anyway, that's the only two things I'm going to say about Israel this week. There will be more later. But anyway, today is, uh, this is like our first Sunday back. You know, this is, it is our first Sunday back, but this is like the new year for us. And so I thought something that's appropriate whenever you, uh, you head into a new year, I think it's always good to, to take a look and say, hey, we're, we're getting it. This is a new beginning. It's a new start. It's the opportunity for us to start things off fresh. And so in order to do that, we're just going to look in the Bible, see what does the Bible have to say about that. And so if you have your Bible, we're going to be looking today in Psalm 32, and we're, we're going to look in verses 1 through 5. And it's a, it's a great, I think it's a powerful passage of Scripture, it's encouraging to me, and I hope it will be for you as well. Uh, but as you're looking there, I want to share with you a story uh, from the 1920s. Uh, in the 1920s, there was a golfer named, he's a, he's a Canadian-born golfer, he's an amateur golfer, his name was uh, Bernard, let's see, his, last, his name was Bernard, I think John Bernard Mulligan. And so for all of you golfers, you're going to like this guy. Uh, so in the early 1920s, he had a regular foursome that he met with to play golf, and uh, one of the golf outings he was supposed to have, he was late arriving there, he'd been driving in some traffic, and so by the time he showed up, he just had to run to the first tee, grabbed his club without taking any practice swings or anything, he teed off, and he just, he did not hit a very good tee ball. And so he immediately began to complain. He began, just like most golfers do, he's like, well, I hadn't had a ch chance to warm up. He talked about his hands being cold. And so his friends, they said, well, let, let's I'll tell you what, because you just got here and didn't get to warm up, why don't you hit another ball from the tee and we won't have any penalty for you. And that, from then on, became known as probably the great, the single greatest moment in golf history. The mulligan was born. And so for you guys that play golf, I know that y'all don't take them, but your friends do. And so I've extended it. I actually, we do one on the front, and then you can also do one on the back if you want to. Uh, but so anyway, so that was the mulligan. And I, and I think there's some of us, whenever we, we look at the mulligan in golf, some of us think, well, wouldn't it be nice if we could kind of move the mulligan in golf out into, you know, outside of golf as well? You know, where we could have some do-overs, or we could have, a, you know, have a, uh, the opportunity to do some things differently without facing any penalty. Uh, I can think of a lot of times in, 
in my life where I would have liked to have had a do-over. You know, it's really strange. There's, there's times when you, you think things, you get married and you think things, and, then, and, and I think there's, I'm thinking things, but somehow they, they come out of my mouth. And so I'm sitting there, and I, and I say stuff, and then Emily's looking at me like, you're going to die. And I'm thinking, I would like a mulligan, you know, right here. I'd like to have a do-over. Uh, others of you, you can think of times whenever you've, you've, you've done particular things in your past, and you look back on it, and you think, man, that was the, one of the biggest mistakes I ever made. If I had the opportunity, I would like to go back and change that. And I think for many people, that is why... The new year is, is encouraging to us because there's a lot of people who look at the new year as though it were a, like a mulligan. You know, it's a chance for a fresh start. It's a, it's a chance for us to do, different, to do some things differently this year as opposed to the way that we did them last year. Well, today in our passage of Scripture, we're going to see King David sharing with us basically like a formula for a fresh start. And, and if anybody had a need or knew about a need for a fresh start, it, it was King David. You need to read about his life in the Old Testament. But David was a man who was always in need of a fresh start in his life. And, and the formula that he shares with us in Psalm chapter 32, it is, it is a passage of Scripture that is still applicable to us today. And so if you're here today and you think, you know, it's 2017, you know, not 2016, I don't know what happened to you in 2016, but you might look back and you think, man, if I had a chance, there's some things I would like to be different this year than last year, then this scripture is going to be for you. We're going to see a plan, a formula for us to be able to have a fresh start. Now, I'm not sure that really the motivation for David whenever he wrote this passage of scripture. I don't know what was going through his mind, but anytime King David writes about forgiveness, I pay attention to it. And the reason why is because David was a man who knew a lot about forgiveness. And, and it wasn't because he was a great forgiver. It was because he was a man who needed forgiveness. I mean, when you read about David's life and you see the things that he went through, that was a guy that had a few instances in his life where he could have used a do-over. You know, it started off, he committed adultery with Bathsheba. And then he compounded that mistake by having her husband murdered. It's not good things. Uh, when you go on, and he's become king, and God tells him not to take a census of his people. And, and David's disobedient to God, and he goes out, and he does it anyway. And what happens is thousands of Israelites end up dying. And then he had a son named Absalom. It was a son he didn't communicate well with. It was a son he didn't discipline he wasn't obedient with how God instructed him how to raise children. And, and, and so the result of that is a civil war broke out. And so I look at David and I think that, that's a guy who, who needed some fresh starts in his life. And that's why he wrote about it. He had experience with it. And so today we're just going to take a look at a few parts that make up a formula for a fresh start. And I want to start off with this. If you, if you are in need of a fresh start, like so many of us are, it begins with this. It begins with personal responsibility. A fresh start always begins with personal responsibility. And I, I want you to look with me in Psalm 32. We're going to start in verse number 3 today. And this is what David wrote. He said, When I kept silent, my bones became brittle for my groaning all day long. For day and night your hand was heavy on me, and my strength was drained as in the summer heat. Then I acknowledged my sin to you and did not conceal my iniquity. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord, and you took away the guilt of my sin. 
Indy car driver Scott Goodyear said this. He said, you don't go and look where it happened. Uh, what he was referring to was race car drivers who've been killed at the Indy 500. He said, you don't watch the films of it on television. You don't deal with it. He said, what you do is you pretend it never happened. The, the Speedway itself actually encourages this. After a wreck has occurred, one of the first things they do is they go out and they will paint over the wall where the accident happened. Uh, Forty men have been killed in accidents at the Indy 500. There is no memorial for any of those 40 guys. That They've never pronounced anyone dead at the racetrack. Basically, it's like out of sight, out of mind, let's act like it didn't happen. And, and I think for many people, and, and myself included, there's times whenever where in life I've had a crash and I've run into a wall, and what I want to do, instead of acknowledging that, I will paint over where the accident happened. I will hide it so that I can continue to live like I want to and live in denial. But we, we all know before, before healing can ever take place, we, we have to move out of that stage of denial and acknowledge our part, acknowledge the fault that we have in life. You know, if I'm a person who struggles with drinking, but I'm never willing to admit it, what's going to happen? I'm going to continue to drink. And I'm going to get worse and worse until, until I have personal responsibility. And it's then whenever I begin to, uh, to tell other people and move out of denial that I can experience healing in my life. Now, now, David did this. He lived in denial for a while concerning the sin that he had in his life. And if you look back in verse number 3, David said this. He said, when I kept silent about my sin. Now, why did he keep silent? Well, he turned a deaf ear to it. And if you, it's like he ignored it. He's like, if I just ignore it, then maybe it'll go away. You know, I know that I've done all these bad things, but if I just act like that they never happened, then, then it's going to be like out of sight and out of mind. Maybe it'll just simply, the, the bad feelings that I have, maybe they'll just simply die away. You guys, if, if we are unwilling to confess and acknowledge sin, then what happens is we'll never experience healing. You know, I, I, I talk to a lot of people, and, they, and we generally, you know, generally people all have the same desire to end up at, at, the, at a particular destination in life. You know, when, when we're in the church, like, well, where would you like to end up? When you die, where do you want to go? Well, I want to go to heaven. You know, we want to go on that, we want to be there at that destination. And yet what's interesting is that while we want this destination, many of us refuse to get off the road that we're traveling that doesn't take us to that destination. You know, it's, it's like if I, if I want to go to the beach, but I remain on, on I-77 North, Am I ever going to get there? Man, I can't wait to get to the beach. And my wife will be looking at me like, well, why are we going towards Charlotte? You know, if, if I want to arrive at the beach, then that means that I have to get off the road I'm presently traveling and get on a different road. I mean, you know, ideally I would you know, maybe find I-26 or I'd find I-95 so I'd be able to go to the beach. Well, if we keep on living in denial of our sin, if we refuse to take personal responsibility for our sin, then there's going to be a price to pay for it. And there was a price for David. When you look into our text, David said, when I kept silent about my sin, he said, my bones became brittle. In other words, as he kept silent about his sin, his sin ate away at him. And his sin took power over him. And his sin made him weaker and weaker. And you know, anytime you move away from God, that, that's what happens. When we move away from God, we move away from his leadership, we move away from the power of God. But when we begin to move towards God, did you know that you gain strength? 
that God will strengthen you and empower you in your life? Proverbs 18.10 tells us the name of the Lord. It's a strong tower. And the righteous run to it and are protected. It's a reminder to me that to experience the power of God in my life begins with me acknowledging that I'm on the wrong road. That's what David did. Finally, That's finally what David did. He finally acknowledged his sin. He acknowledged his sin with Bathsheba. He didn't try to hide from it. He didn't make excuses for it. He could have made excuses. He could have said, well, yeah, I mean, I messed up. But, you know, she was bathing on a roof. How was I, how was I not supposed to see that? But that's not what he did. Nathan the prophet came to him and confronted him about his sin. And we're told in 2 Samuel 12, 13, that Daniel very simply said this to God. He said, I have sinned against the Lord. And for, for healing to take place, I guess it's, it's personal responsibility. It's confession. You know, confession, confession and confessing to God of what we've done, there, there's something powerful about it. As a matter of fact, we're told how powerful it is in 1 John 1, 9. It says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That word confess, it means to say the same thing as. In other words, to call sin the same thing God calls it. What does God call sin? He calls it, he calls it death. He calls it destructive. He calls it detestable. Now, a lot of times I, I like to make excuses for sin and say, well, you know, boys will be boys. It's not really that big of a deal. Everybody does it. That's not confession. Confession is what I've done is detestable. What I've done is sinful against God. And when I take that step, it is then the first step to where God will begin the process of giving me a fresh start in life. Now, that's the first part of the formula for a fresh start in life. It's personal responsibility. But, but here's the, the second part of the formula for a fresh start. It's having your, your past erased or erasing the past. Look at verse 1. It says, how happy is the one whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. That, that's, I love that verse. It talks about you're, you're going to be happy whenever your transgression is forgiven, whenever your sin is covered. Now, everybody here has baggage. Do you know that? I don't care how good of a person you are. You have baggage. And the Bible points it out. Romans 3.23 says, for all have sinned. And fall short of God's glory. Now, most, we're going we're gonna to agree with that, right? And we're going to say, yeah, I've done some things that I should have done. I mean, when, just in general, y'all nod your heads. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. We'd agree with that. Okay, we're all going to agree with that. We've all, we've all messed up. We've all sinned. Now, I think all of us can accept that. Now, here's where we struggle. That there are consequences that come with sin. Now, I'm willing to admit when I've done wrong, but I'm not really on the bandwagon of saying, and there's consequences that come with that. Yeah, I'm like one of the guys, like, I, hey, I've done wrong, but you know, I, don't, I shouldn't have to pay a price for it. At least I admitted it. No, that's, that's not what happens. The Bible says when, when we sin, there are consequences that come with it. What are the consequences? They're pretty big. Romans 6.23, the wages of sin is death. Isaiah 59.2, listen to this one. It says, but your iniquities, your sins, have built, have built barriers between you and your God, and your sins have made him hide his face from you so that he does not listen. Now, th that doesn't sound fair. That, that seems pretty severe to me. You say, if I do something wrong and I mess up in life, you're telling me that I will be eternally condemned because of that? Simple answer is yes. Now, I didn't make that up. 
I'm not the one that came up with the rules. That's just simply what God lets us know. You see, you and I don't get to determine what fair is. Now, I wish I did. You know, when, when I say something's not fair, it's, it, doesn't mean, it doesn't mean that really, it's, it's not fair to me. You know, if I don't get what I want, then that's not fair to me. Now, you and I don't get to determine fairness. God determines fairness. You know what fairness is to God? Justice. Justice. And so what, that, what does that mean? It means that when there's sin in our lives, that that sin can't be ignored. It has to be dealt with. And there's some of us, and we, we understand that. We understand that sin can't be ignored, and so where many of us are not able to have a fresh start is because we carry our sin with us. And instead of ever having freedom from it, we just, it's like we put it on our backs, and we just drag it around everywhere, saying, I'm not worthy of anything. And it's never dealt with. Now, when I was in college, one of my uh, favorite soundtracks from a movie and movie was called The Mission. I don't know if y'all, any of y'all ever seen The Mission? It's got Robert De Niro in it. Thanks, Scott. First service, nobody had seen it. So if you haven't seen it, it's a great movie, um, and you sleep well to the soundtrack. But anyway, in the movie, what was interesting about it is Robert De Niro's character, he had, in a fit of jealous rage, he killed his brother, went to, he sought asylum in a church, he ends up leaving and goes, uh, leaves, uh, I think it was Spain, goes over to... Uh, South America lives in a, like a monastery above a waterfall. This is more than you want to know. But, he, but here's, here's, here's the deal. He, he was overcome with guilt because of what he'd done in his life. And so what he did is he had this net and just had a bunch of stuff in it, probably weighed a couple hundred pounds, and he would drag it around with him everywhere. And it, and it just weighed him down. He'd stumble and fall, and he almost killed him. And, but, but he had all this, all this stuff that he was symbolically carrying in this net, and he didn't know what to do with it. He just, the only thing he knew to do was just simply carry it around. And I said, and you, you watch the movie, you think, and, and as, a, as a believer, you sit there and you watch that, and you think, man, you know what? God, God wants to step in, and he wants, he wants to take care of your past so that you can have a future. So you're not just dragging your junk around everywhere with you. And I mean, so well, how does he do that? Well, the way that he does, it's pretty simple. I mean, simple to, to talk about. He offers grace. Now, now we try to, we try to, now some of us try to deal with it and say, well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to really impress God. I'm going to do more good things than bad things. Guys, but guys, that didn't work. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9 says, For you are saved by grace through faith. This is not from yourselves. It is a gift of God. And it says, not from your works, so that no one can boast. You see, my, my efforts can never erase my past. It's only what Jesus has done for me that can take care of my past. I just have to acknowledge that and kneel before him and accept the gift that, of Jesus that God has given me. I, I love it again. In verse number one, it says, how happy is the one whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is, it says his sin is covered. Now that word covered, it means just that. It's like taking a sheet and you lay it over something. Now, now whenever you cover something, what, is, what do you do whenever you cover something? You hide it. You cover it up from view. You know, the, the idea of covering goes all the way back to the book of Genesis. Y'all remember back in the book of Genesis, Adam and Eve, you remember they, they messed up. God said, don't even mess with this one tree. That's all you got to do. Well, they do. They go and mess with the one tree. And so when they mess with the tree, something happened. Adam and Eve, for the first time, realized they were naked. And so they tried to cover up their nakedness on their own. Y'all remember what their wardrobe was? Anybody know? Fig leaves, right? 
not a good choice. I mean, we really think about it. And so, you know, do you think, that's not really, that's what you call permanent clothing. So Jesus shows up, they're wearing fig leaves, he's like, that's not going to work. And so, so Jesus, he ends up covering them. He takes animal skins and he covers them up. He covers up their shame. He covers up their nakedness. Well, that's what, that's what Jesus says, I can do for you. I can cover over your past. So Psalm 103.12, it was one of the songs we sang. It says, as far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. You want a fresh start? Begins with personal responsibility. Begins with, with, with erasing your past. And then here's the last thing I see. And then it also begins with this, or ends with this, paying the debt. If you want a fresh start, that debt has to be paid. Verse 2, it says, how happy is the man the Lord does not charge with sin, and in whose spirit there is no deceit. Now, the Bible lets us know, regardless of what you've done, regardless of what's in your life, that our God is big enough and powerful enough to erase your sin and pay the debt. We're told the Lord will not charge his people with sin. That phrase does not charge. That, that, that is a phrase that's rich in meaning. It means to impute. It means to reckon, to uh, apply to. It's the same word that was used in Genesis 15, 16. Whenever God saw the faith of Abraham, he said, he imputed righteousness to Abraham's account. So much righteousness into his account that it outweighed his sin. In other words, it's a picture of a bank account. Now, Abraham and you and me on our own, our bank account of righteousness, y'all, it is, we're overdrawn. And so our sin will overwhelm us and we'll pay a price for it. But Jesus steps in. He says, when you have faith in me, I will put into your account, your bank account, righteousness so much so that it will cover your debt of sin. Now, that's something that's really, that's really powerful. In other words, God's saying, I won't count your sins against you. Isaiah 1, 18 says, Come, let us discuss this, says the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, they'll be white as snow. Though they are as red as crimson, they will be like wool. Now, our bank account on our own, it's empty. Jesus says, I'll fill it up. And your sin that is red like crimson, so I can make it white as snow. You know, I was, I was thinking about an example for this, and one of the best ones that I could think of was back in, in 2014, y'all might remember this, in, uh, in 2014 in Africa, the, there was the Ebola outbreak. Y'all remember that was all over the news, and they brought a patient over here, and it was just, it was, it was actually, it was, it was pretty frightening. But there's an interesting part of that story, is one of, the, one of the doctors over there who was treating the Ebola patients was a guy named Dr. Kent Brantley. Uh, he worked for Samaritan's Purse, and as he was treating the patients, he ended up con contracting the virus himself. And he got in a, a position where after he got the virus, he was just gravely ill, looked like he was going to die, and, and they took a last-ditch effort to save his life. They got an experimental drug, and they gave it to him, and something incredible happened. He recovered. So he got better, but there was another doctor that ended up getting the Ebola virus as well, and so they went to Kent Brantley, and they, they did a blood transfusion. They, basically what they did is... Uh, for those of you here in the medical field, I'm going to butcher this, but, but they, they took his blood and they stuck it in another guy. Okay? So they put it in him. Now, now why did they do that? Well, here's why. Because he had already overcome the virus. His blood had experienced the disease. His blood was able to overcome the virus. So when they put it in the new guy, they were putting in blood that had already had victory over that disease. Whenever he got that blood, you know what happened to the new guy? He got better. 
I remember hearing that story and I thought, hey, that's what Jesus did. That's what Jesus did. Now think what Jesus did. The Bible tells us that Jesus went to the cross and he died as a sacrifice for our sins. And his blood was shed for us. And his blood was shed for us because of what Hebrews 9 says. Hebrews 9 tells us there can be no forgiveness without the shedding of blood. And so Jesus shed his blood for us. Now that's powerful in and of itself, but that's not, here's what makes the story powerful. Jesus was a sacrifice to pay for our sin, but then after he died, something rather unusual happened three days later. What happened? I told the first service, if nobody answers, I quit today. <laughs> the resurrection, right? So he got up from the grave. So here's what makes that powerful. Because Jesus rose from the grave, his blood was shed, his blood had victory over sin, which means sin no longer can condemn us, for those of us who are in Jesus. So whenever you follow Jesus, his blood is imputed into your life or transfused into your life, which means that sin no longer can kill you, because Jesus lives. Now, I don't know of any better story for a fresh start than that one. You want a fresh start? Victory over sin. Listen to this, Romans 10, 8 through 13. This is the message of faith that we proclaim. If you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. One believes with the heart resulting in righteousness and one confesses with the mouth resulting in salvation. Now the scripture says, everyone who believes on him will not be put to shame, for there's no distinction between Jew and Greek, since the same Lord of all is rich to all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. You want a fresh start? You want things to be different in your life? Only one way it's going to happen. It's Jesus. That's it. It's only Jesus that can pay for your sin. It is only Jesus who has the power to overcome the penalty of sin. And so if we, want, if we truly want a fresh start, it begins with Jesus. Because he can deal with your past. Because he can pay for your sin. He can erase your debt. But your part is personal responsibility. And acknowledging Jesus, acknowledging your sinfulness, and bowing before him. Want a fresh start? Can't think of a better day than now. Bear your cross as you wait for the crown. Tell the world of the treasure you find.